irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Listening to Wake Up Hollywood with Nikki Corula and Eddie Pence, right here on LA Talk Radio. Hollywood with my co-host with the most, Rodan Rosner. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are I'm, you? I'm good. How was your week? It was. Uh, it was good. It was fine. Kind yeah. of a heavy week. A yeah, little bit of a heavy is, week. A lot right. of losses. A lot of like global tragedies. True stuff true. that was going on. But yep. we keep on pushing forward, right? We do. We do. Uh, that Vegas thing was kind of oh. super nuts. I mean. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. To wake up. I, I, I haven't heard about it the night it happened, so only the you know next morning, waking up, getting the, the kids ready for school, I turn on the TV, and bam. I saw it that night, and you know what's really crazy is a classmate of mine had met the shooter the day before, and he was telling everybody like to, you know, he was like, oh, you guys got to get out of here. And they ended up leaving the next day, not because of him, just by chance, but they thought... They were saying it because one of their friends was super drunk, and it was very strange. What do you mean? He, he was walking. He was around walking around the concert grounds. Yeah. Did they tell the police about she, it? I told her to. I said, "You got to tell the police." Of this course. Thing. I mean, it's Maybe just part it's of the profile, key, you know. Exactly. Maybe. Which is super nuts. But uh, the crazy thing too is just like the fact that he had so many automatic weapons oh, crazy, in, crazy. in Vegas in a hotel room. It's like. What's the deal? It's yeah. just crazy. Well, if you, they were talking about the, the how easy it is in uh, Nevada to get, uh, you know, uh, weapons and uh, sidearms, and you don't even need a license. Over That's there. crazy. No background check, no nothing. And he had like nothing on his like profile or his, you know, nothing on his file, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, Clean that's what I record. Just a. Old American dude uh, that just yeah he had some kind of an old mayhem. citation something he got years ago yeah, yeah that's right well let's welcome Michelle Lewis in let's say hello she's she just walked in hello Michelle Lewis hi how are you what were you saying you said his dad was what I I walked in on your conversation yeah and I, I love it overheard what you were talking about and I, apparently. This shooter's dad was a bank robber, yeah, like I a heard known that. bank robber. <laughs> Who's a bank robber? It's so old timey. I like, know, right? It's the twenties. Like, like, what is this? Where am I? Yeah, it's the old west in the nineteen. You know what? It's and it's weird because his brother was like totally shocked. You yeah. know what I mean? He's like, you know, usually there's some kind of like social sign, something they could say. Oh, he was on these kind of drugs, yeah. or he had an alcohol problem, or something. But he was just like, I got nothing. Even if I could make up something, I would because there's nothing. He's like, this is just insane. I mean, that does kind of undermine the whole it's just a mental health issue right. argument, doesn't it? Right. Like, if yes. you can't ca- if you if you can't catch everybody by you know using those 
parameters yeah. like they have to be you know known to be mentally ill like really we need to limit the gun, yes. guns in general yes and you know what's crazy it's i like that jimmy kimmel is becoming like the yes. voice of america <gasps> and he's, he's just like talking about it. he's getting so emotionally driven I, by oh, it did you see that? it's awesome you yeah. know because he he raises a point of view and he's got a platform and he does it for the good and he's right it's like this was a terrorist attack Every, we'd be going to war, we'd be doing all these things, but it's like because it's another American, it's just like treated like it's as if it's nothing. Think about it. Think yeah. about the numbers, the sheer numbers. I mean, those are like bomb numbers. Yeah. Like, you know, you call yes. that like a weapon of mass destruction totally. if it was a bomb and not yeah. guns. Yeah. When, I, when I, I saw the videos and you hear the machine gun go in the background, I mean, if you, you like me, been in the Army, been in service, you know what it is. Yeah. You hear the automatic... Uh, you know, fire just going and going and going, and you thinking, "Oh my God!" That Where God. were you in the army? Oh, I was in Israel. I just came back from Israel. Really? I was thinking you'd you'd say that. Yeah, yeah awesome. I was just there. It was amazing. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you hear that, you know, dun 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 yeah. dun, dun dun, and just what is that? And it's emotionally scarring, even for the people that weren't even injured or affected in some way. They're going to sure. be affected. Always, you know, mentally. Always, there's right? always something, yeah. something that tragic always leaves a mark. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, I don't know. One thing I was moved by is, like, a lot of people in Vegas, there were lines at the, yeah. the blood centers, you know, like the hospitals, just to for people to want to give blood. I was like, you know what? It, it takes, unfortunately, a tragedy to see how great this country really is. Yeah. But the sad thing is it takes, you know, I guess it's going to have to take even more for our politicians to kind of take mm. action, which is... It's just such a crime. And they're yeah. all getting paid by the NRA. I mean, I just... She, oh, yeah. I mean, I just read this article that Paul Ryan's getting $170,000. Ridiculous. Like, you know, the Republican uh, senators in Utah are getting $70,000. I mean, just... It's so disgusting. It's like crazy. Yeah, and they've really dug their heels in, too. They're yeah. just like, they are not changing votes. Yep. No. Well, of course. They're, they're you know, like they like what Jimmy Kimmel said. He said they've got their, their asses in a money clip. You know what I mean? So yes. it's unfortunate. Hopefully. But hopefully... Uh, you know, maybe that maybe some things will change as far as gun reform, but it goes state by state. You know, just like I, I think uh, twenty five states already uh, mandate uh, background checks. Uh, only if you uh, pass uh, a firearm from one family member to another, mm-hmm. that's the only. Uh, you know, the only uh, time you don't have to. So, you know, all those loopholes like the traveling gun shows yeah. that you can buy from someone or a collector. The, so that way, uh, a lot of states now uh, mandate that you, if you buy from someone, a collector, you have to go to a store that right. sell arms and they do the background check over there. So hopefully, you know, well, but you know, I, a state I like Nevada... There, the the governor vetoed uh, right. of legislation of that passed last year. Right, you know, uh, a, a ballot uh, measure that uh, people voted uh, for, and he just vetoed because he's, uh, you he's know, getting paid. yeah. And and what's up with the silencer bill? I know, isn't that crazy? How crazy is that? It's like they're doubling down. Yes. They're just like, okay, yeah, we are just gonna while we have this guy in, and it's like in, it, in the, the fact White that House. it's it's right here at this time, like the bill yeah. is being talked about right now. It's like, are you kidding me? This is how out of whack our system is. It's like, yeah. What purpose would a silencer serve? Right. Like, I agree. what does it do besides? I mean, it's for killing people. I totally agree. Yep. It's disappointing. It's, yeah. disappointing. it's just to make, just to sell more yeah. more guns. More I read guns. this thing that Japan, what they do for someone to get a gun, 
They have to watch this. They have to go to classes for two days or three days. They have to get a mental check from a doctor. They have to get um, their file completely evaluated. They have to tell the police where the gun is located in the house. The guns and the ammunition have to be in different rooms. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many loopholes that they have to jump through to get a gun. Yeah. And there were 80 deaths or something really... I mean, it may have been yeah. eight, but uh, something super small for 2008, and ours were 20,000. Yeah. You know, it was just like... It's ridiculous. It's, yeah, we're it's, heading towards like a huge number. We lose more to that yeah, than we than do in a war. Yeah, it's, it's like... So it's ridiculous. War, disease, and yes. accident. Yes. yes. Yeah. And then the yeah. next day, we lost... A legendary, uh, yeah. legendary songwriter, Tom, Tom Petty. Petty. Let's oh. talk about Michelle. I know you. It hits you hard. It hits me hard too. Let's talk Tom Petty for a little. Talk bit. Tom Petty. I mean, my husband's last name is Petty. By the mm. way, I married a Petty, wow. so I'm technically Michelle Petty. That's my awesome. son is Jackson Petty. That's awesome. Um, spelled the same but way. No relation. No relation, but spelled the same way. Um, so we get a lot of like yeah. Petty questions. Um, and uh, as a songwriter, I feel like Tom Petty really, like, he's the pinnacle. Yes. You know, he's what any yes. songwriter sort of aspires to in terms of, like, economy of language. Yep. Like, he, it, he, he used so few words to say so much. Yes. And then the songwriting and then the sound of the records were both so on point that it's like, it's just... You know, it's, it was sort of like the bar that we all kind of like yeah. aspire to reach. Yeah. You know, and and, and it's so many different styles. And so many different styles, and but the songs are just so good. Yeah. Um, I got to work on my second record with um, Stan Lynch, who's his drummer. Oh yeah, and uh, he's got this studio, this like funky studio in uh, Clear and uh, no St. Augustine, Florida. So I got to go down there, and that was like the original studio that the Heartbreakers all wow. recorded That's crazy. in. Did some shit, and yeah, it was awesome. Um, and Stan had a million stories, and you know they're a family like those guys. Yeah. Like, it, it's just sort of the best of what you know American. Well, and you know what they like to find. Like when I was in high school, all we did was listen to Tom Petty. Yeah. Like yeah. summer summer drives to the beach, it was Tom Petty. Like I, I mean, I went through this serious like phase where it was just like nothing but Tom Petty. Seventies, eighties. I know. I saw him play. He was you know like you know the world will now know this. Like, I have for years told people my very first concert was Tom Petty. Hmm. But the truth is, my very first concert was Paula Abdul and Color Me Bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't a great I'm concert. With Color Me yes. Bad. <laughs> okay, well, it wasn't that great of a concert, I can unfortunately. Yeah. But Tom Petty was like the first That's time what I you saw. Own, yeah. yeah, it was the first time I saw a performer and I was like, this is what it's like. It should sound like live. Yeah. I couldn't believe there were no tracks. Can you believe how good they? They sounded? were so good. I they know. were so good. So that yeah. was one of the reasons. Uh, that was one of the things that made me want to be a performer. You know. Yeah. Like, oh my god. You see somebody like sound like the record or even better, and it just. Blows oh, your mind. I know, and like you know, just those play like Ben Montage and those all, yeah. every part that that you know the guitar plays or the keyboard yeah. plays or whatever. It's just also. Deliberate and and perfect. Yep. You know, it's Mike exactly Campbell's like Mike the Campbell's. studio quintessential rock guitarist. Yeah, I mean, just I think of you know those solo lines in between verses on the waiting or whatever. Yeah. Like they're yeah. just so perfect. I agree. So. And you know, you know, I actually played the Royal Seco Music Festival in June. Oh, it was I one of his last festival. festival appearances, and I was sitting like on this 
little grassy hill just watching Tom Petty and just reflecting. I'm like, this guy made me want to be a performer and now I'm on the same bill. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm the small print. He's the big yeah. print, which is totally fine with me. <laughs> but it was like this really cool moment. I was like, you know what? I may not ever see him again. I didn't think it would be this soon. Yeah. But I was like, I, I may not ever see him again. And this is it's yeah. really special. Yeah, it was, it was great because they still sounded awesome. You know? It's like. They're so good. You want to play something, right? You want to play something? You want to start with that? Yeah, sure. let's jump right, All right. in. Let's, let's, let's play something with the Tom Petty while tinge. We're on, while we're on Tom Petty, well, so um, back when I used to tour, uh, I used to... You, uh, sorry? It's all right. It's all right. Back when I used to tour, I used to uh, just throw a couple covers in my set every once in a while, and... I specifically had a moment between um, making my album. This is when I was signed to Giant Records. Um, that and when the album was going to come out, you know, there's that sort of like netherworld that you lie in, yeah. where, you know, basically just in hell, waiting for your life to start. You know, you just work so hard on this work of art that you think is the most important thing you're ever going to do and you want the world to hear it and you're like ready to go you're just just ready to go and tour so um the song the waiting kind of was my soundtrack that's awesome for that time so i um i i just sort of i learned it and and started playing it in sets cuz cuz it meant something to me but i just have to give you a caveat that like since I've stopped being an artist, I'm mostly a studio rat. Yeah, that's like, all right. That's all right. Yeah, I, uh, I really just do mostly like songwriting and all good and all good. studio singing. So uh, you know, my guitar is a little rusty, but you you know, you no can, problem. Uh, be patient. It's with a forgiving it. audience. If I gank it, all right. Oh, baby, don't it feel like heaven right now? Don't it feel like something from a dream? I've never known nothing quite like this. Don't it feel like tonight might never be again? And we know better than to try to pretend. You don't want to go around talking like that. You said, yeah, 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 yeah. The hardest part Every day Get one more yard You take it on faith You take it to the heart The waiting Is the hardest part Oh yeah I guess I chased a couple women around All it ever got me was down Man there were those but never as good as I feel right now Cause you're the only one who's ever known how To make me wanna live like I wanna live I say yeah, 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 yeah The waiting is the hardest part Every day you get one more yard You take it on faith you take it to the heart The waiting is the hardest part Don't let it kill you, baby Don't let it get to you Don't let it kill you, baby Don't let 
your bleeding heart, I'll be your blindfold. Don't let this go too far. Don't let it get to you. your favorite Tom Petty song? I think it might be that one. Or Amer- American Girl. American Girl is like the party mm. song. You don't know what it feels. You don't, That's a great song. You don't know what it feels. Oh, man. So, so many. So many. I mean, we're probably going to do like a a Tom Petty listening party at some point over the next that's day or awesome. so. My son is 10 and he's already a huge fan and can play a bunch of the songs on guitar. Did you ever like see that. him live? Yeah, I think I did a few times actually. You know, part of festivals and things like that. Like, He's the best. Well, rest in peace, Tom Petty. Yeah. Michelle, let's talk a little bit. I, I discovered you from an NPR interview that my dad showed me. Mm. You're doing a lot for songwriters. Let's let's just jump right into that. Let's do it. So tell me how you got involved with why you wanted to kind of be the advocate voice. <laughs> advocating voice Advocating for voice for songwriters. Well, I, uh, I have to say I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm a songwriter, right? right? I mean, I started pretty much right after college, got a publishing deal from a few songs that I wrote. I got super lucky, you know, just really stepped That's in amazing. it. Yeah, I wrote a bunch of songs for um, a group that I was in, and the group got signed to a, a development deal and then got dropped. But the songs that we had recorded were songs that I wrote and got in the hands of some publisher who ultimately became my mentor and signed me to BMG at the time. And uh, that kind of, st- I mean, I started off really, I hit the ground running, you know, like I was 22 years old and, you know, a year out of college and just like had a publishing deal. So I was able to really write f- songs full time, although I didn't stop working. I mean, I had a day job maybe for like three years mm. after that while well, having a publishing deal and doing weddings on weekends. Right. and. Yeah. Um, Really, like, scrambling to try and, you know, really get my first hit. And I won my first hit all the while, like, writing for other people, then writing for me, writing for other people, kind of splitting my time between the two. Um, and the, I'd say, like, the two getting signed and having my first cuts all kind of happened around the same time. It was, like, 1998. Um, and uh, at that point, you know, I quit the wedding band. <laughs> right. You're like, that has to happen. Yeah, that was exciting. It was a big moment. And um, and I started, you know, touring, and that's when I, you know, when I was telling you about where I was, you know, waiting around between 
albums to try and you know to get ready to tour and I did the whole thing you know I did I did some Lilith Fair dates I toured with That's you amazing. know Fastball and all these like 90s bands and they're yeah. all like my buds now you know I see them all you know in LA with kids and we bump into each other at the Farmer's Market in Studio City That's and awesome. it's great it's like a really nice community of people from the 90s rock scene my, one of which is my best friend Kay Hanley from the band Letters to Cleo the Boston mm. band yep um Kay and I were both on Giant in the 90s and kind of crossed paths then, but then we both moved to L.A. around 2002. And as soon as we got here, we, like, totally became besties, like, instant besties, and we started a band together called The Dilettantes. And, um, good name. Yeah, it was fun. We had, this, we had some good, good songs. Um, but really, we were all about writing. And um, all this writing we did and uh, recording for, with our band got on the radar of um, a TV development person at Disney. Um, she's like the head of development at Disney. Her name's Nancy Cantor, and she was a fan of Letters to Cleo, and she knew the work that Kay and I were doing. So she gave us this opportunity in the middle of us, like just, you know, writing for hits, writing for, you know, cuts, the whole thing. I'd say this would have been about six or seven years ago now. Mm. Um, she just sort of handed us this opportunity to write the music for a show that had just been greenlit. And um, what was the name of the show? It was Doc McStuffins, oh. which at the time hadn't come out. But if you are the owner of a two-year-old or a four-year-old, you know Doc McStuffins. You know Doc McStuffins. So we, uh, she came to us to you know put try to write a song for it, and that song that we wrote ended up becoming the theme. And wow. then we got hired to do the whole season. That's incredible. Yeah, it was really exciting. That's I mean, amazing. It was one of those things that like. <laughs> You're a toy, then you're in luck. It's okay, don't be afraid. The dog really knows her stuff. Do, 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 you know it's good for you. The dog is gonna help you feel better. <laughs> That's awesome. Well done. So I am like a rock star to four-year-olds around the country. Actually, like, around I'm the world. I'm huge in I'm the four-year-old huge market. huge in the four-year-old market. <laughs> yeah, so huge. Um, I like the production on that track, by the way. With all the thank vocals. you. Thank you. It. Yeah, no. I mean, that's the thing. I think we bring we bring to the, uh, the, the preschool <laughs> sphere, um, we bring like competitive, you know, production. Like we yeah. tried it. We came from radio. We weren't, I mean, from like writing for radio, we weren't, you know, trying to write children's music. We right. were just kind of doing what we were doing. And then what I found over the course of doing it is like, the way you get you the way you you're good at writing music for this stuff is by not writing children's music but just like sort of keeping your bar your bar high and like writing what you would write anyway but just sort of more contextual you know like Mm -hmm. about whatever the situation of the episode requires right yeah that was exactly what i was thinking i have i have uh two small girls eight and three and i was thinking the same thing the only difference might be the lyrics. Right. You know, maybe it might be more appropriate, but other than that... I think uh, it's even music, tougher in some ways. Yeah. It's like you the music and the production, yeah, you, it's just the same. Yeah, you accessible. have to write earworms, you have to write... You know, you definitely have to make your hooks hooky. And kids aren't stupid. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It's like they know when they're being talked yeah. down to. So we just refuse, you know, we just won't do it. So we keep our bar high and... 
now we're in season five. So it ended up being a big deal. Um, Again, we had no, I mean, it was like the surprise of my life. It's like you, you know, you sort of plot your career and you think it's going to go a certain way. And then just something happens and it takes a turn and, you know, you... Well, you got to go where it's like the least resistant. To, you go where you know, the love like, is. I mean, that's one of my main. Yeah, he's right. You so go where so the love good. is, yeah. and if that's where the love is, and the love is also lucrative, right? Um, you, yeah. you're like you do oh, it. I'm good. Yes. You know, I'll yes. stay there. So, so that became our job. You know, to do these, to do the music for this show, and I have to tell you, like, you know, going from the life of a songwriter for cuts where you're just kind of everything is speculative right like you write for free nobody pays you right to write a song to try and get a song on, on like an ariana grande album like you're you're really just sort of i call it lobbing tennis balls at the moon you know you're right. just mm-hmm. taking shots like shot yep. shot shot and you're paying for all of it like you're, you got your studio it's all on your dime um and you just hope but the the carrot that gets dangled is that you know if you get a song on that album or you get it you know a single it'll pay back like yeah. the lottery yep. right so something about writing knowing what you were going to write knowing that you wrote was going to come out had a lot of like dignity to it so we just kind of like hold up in this world of tv writing and the tr- moving train of deadlines and you know, just revisions. It's a lot, it's it's a a lot, lot of work. Lot two songs a week. Yeah. We had two wow. right, two whole new original songs a week and the production and record the vocals wow. and mix and, you know, everything's sort of on this timeline of week to week with, you know, the end date of the when the show's getting aired. Wow. So you have to, you know, make it happen. You have to really step up. So we were in a bubble, like a total TV bubble. So I didn't know this is maybe like 2013. I didn't know what was going on really with Spotify, with Pandora. I didn't right. know what deals were getting made. I didn't know how much money was being made. I didn't know anything about what the songwriter situation was. Um, so in between seasons, I think three and four of Doc, I got, uh, I had some time, you know, we get around a little like three or four months to just sort of wait for the next season to start. And I went back to writing. I went back to, you know, I'm like, oh, well, I miss songwriting. Like, let me go back to my old co-writers and old friends and see what's going on. So I ended up writing um, to a track. A friend of mine who does A&R at Sony at the time sent me a track to write to. He said, this is uh, something we already like. And give a shot to write to it. Um, So I did. Hooked up with another friend of mine. We wrote to it. We recorded the top line, do you know what a top line is? Yeah, of course. Top line is a lyric and melody that goes over a track. Like if you're not writing the whole thing together on a guitar, you get you write the lyric and melody to a pre existing track and just and that's called the top line. Um, I work with a lot of DJs. You so work with like, a lot of so you so know the know. you know the you know the drill. Um, so we wrote a top line, sent it in, as we say to the mothership. And um, we sent it into the mothership, which happened to be Psycho Records, you know, Simon Cowell's uh, team who had this girl group called Little Mix. Um, And they were looking for a first single. And and I got a call maybe about a month later from the A&R guy, the same A&R guy saying, hey, you know, it landed. He's like, yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, 
you know, part of your song of what you sent in is the song. That's and I amazing. was like, really? And he's like, yeah, you know, the band wrote some verses, like changed some of the lyrics on the verse, and uh, another writer writer wrote the bridge. I mean, and I never read, so this is, tell, I call this Franken writing for right. sure. Like, this is what you really like are piecing together. But, you know, the producers really like pieced together their sort of favorite bits that they heard that, of top lines right. and came up with this song called Wings. Um, now, the thing about Wings is, well, I guess we could play it in a minute, but um, it was a hit. Like, it was right. kind of a hit. It was a hit in a way, and I'd say like a new way, a hit in a new way. Not in the traditional way of like you play, you know, it gets played. It got played on terrestrial traditional right. radio, but really it was one of the songs that like, was on Dancing with the Stars. And, That's amazing. And Glee and America's Got Talent and Idol and all those things. And digital, it was like streamed, streamed a lot. It so was it's on everywhere. Sirius. It's it was everywhere. digital. Yeah. But it didn't really crack the top 10 terrestrial. Right. So it was sort of a good canary in a coal mine or a good test case for like what right. a digital hit would look like. You know, if you're not if you're not depending on you know just traditional terrestrial radio, like what will your what will it look like to have a hit in a digital era? Because that's yeah. sort of what this felt like it was. And every day I was signing link uh, like sync requests. You know, every day I'd get like something from my publisher saying, you know, American Idol is doing it, this thing and this thing and this thing, and and those are those when TV you know you're going to do like TV performances yep. of yep. the songs. So I'm like. I'm like, back. Great, great, yeah. great. This I'm back on Doc, right? I'm back on season four now. And so I'm busy, but I'm just signing off these things. And I'm thinking, this is going to be good, right? Um, and I get my first... So the year, that I think, was 2014 that it was sort of a hit and doing its thing. Maybe it was 2013. But, like, the end of the year statement that should have been the kind of, like, big... You know, that was going to be yeah. like the big... You know, payoff, right. right? On my ASCAP statement, I I sort of, you know, flip through, flip through, see the terrestrial, see the TV performance royalties, and they're good, and I'm getting like excited, and then I flip to the back, which is where they put all the streaming yeah. revenue, all, 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 the, all your streaming numbers, stream yeah, where yeah. they have the streaming numbers, and I see. I don't know how I could describe this on the radio, except to describe when you get your when an ASCAP statement is like a series of columns, right? And at the top is the name of the song and your percentage of it and all that stuff. Right. And then on the left hand side is how many streams plays, or yeah, plays yeah. or whatever it got. And on the right hand side is the amount that you get, like is the number amount. So. On the right, on the left-hand side, which had the number of streams on Spotify, it was like 1.6, it was like 1.6 million something, wow. something, something of streams in a quarter. This isn't even a year. This is a quarter. Wow. And the payout was, you ready? $5,000. No. $3.78. <laughs> what? Yeah. You see, I wasn't really? that far. You overshot. Wow. I know. That's, I know. that's a crime. Yeah. So it was like not just and like you got writers for this, right? Yeah, sure. That's obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. No, it was only writers. I mean, I didn't own the master, so that you're just talking crazy. about songwriter share, which 
was for 1.6 million yeah. and that was just the you know spotify like we're not even talking about youtube views right. or pandora streams or anything like that i mean the whole thing on like all digital media all the digital platforms combined was like under 80 dollars. Hmm. so for this hit like this huge number like the left side of the column the left hand column was the numbers were high yeah um so it wasn't even like a wah 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 it was more like a you yes. know head explosion yeah, of that's crazy what the bleep is yeah, going on right. so i um that's what you know i kind of like just kind of kicked my ass into action to kind of find out just do some investigating yeah. right like f- talk to friends compare notes see if this is going on for them too um you know, and like, has this what's been? You know, has this yes. been happening for yes. a while? Whatever, because I don't. There's been such a crazy transition in the last right. like twenty years, right? And like, the the transition from physical products like albums and and vinyl and I mean vinyl and cassette and cassettes and CDs, like that's that ship sailed a while ago, right? right. That that was, that's yeah. been about twenty years, but the transition from you know, even downloads and that kind of yep. thing to streaming is about the past five years. Yeah. And that's the piece that I found out, come to find out that songwriters are uniquely screwed in the pie, the way the income pie is sort of shared. Yeah. Right. Um, so break that down a little bit. Just okay. So people that, for people, people that don't yeah, know. people that don't know. Um, so I'm going to use Spotify just because, they're Let's the mo- they're the Let's biggest see. one, right? Yeah. They're the biggest one, and like to to their credit, they don't like a mean tweet. You know, right. <laughs> they're as sensitive to the mean to a mean tweet as maybe our president is. They don't like yeah. you know they don't like being shamed by particularly by songwriters. So they've responded um, to some of the criticisms and they've tried to get their act together. But at the time, like this not was, enough to actually do anything. Not enough to I've really had a lot of debates it. with them. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. I know. It, well, it's, they're going to be. I'll get. I'll. That's. I'll get there. <laughs> like what we ended up having to do. Um, but the way they sort of pay out is if there's a pie, say picture a pizza of ten slices. Seven seven slices go to the um, record labels. Crazy. Right or and actually, second seven slices go to the rights holders. Sorry, not just the record labels, but the rights holders in general. And three slices go to keep, stay with Spotify. So, hundred dollars, thirty dollars, Spotify keeps seventy dollars goes to rights holders. Now that's where it gets a little rights holders is where it gets, it gets a little dicey. dicey because rights holders can be the copyright. Which is the song that we the song that we write, right, right. or the sound recording, right. which is the recording of the song that we write. And as much as I, you know, I adore my friend Pam Shane and think she's a, an amazing singer. Um, you know, people want to hear Christina Aguilera's version of "Genie right. in a Bottle." That's the thing that they're yes, like yes. they're signing on to hear. They're you know they don't need to hear Pam's demo, right? So Pam's, you know, her version that she wrote of the song, the copyright, the lyrics, you know, the lyrics and the music like together. It's her creation. Her creation is worth in this, in of these pieces of pie, you know, so the seven slices that the rights holders get, Pam will get like half a slice. That's crazy. Of one, of one slice. So it's like 6%, 4 to 6% of that 
uh, of that 70%. And then the labels keep 94% of that. Yeah, so it's it's just worth a lot. The sound recording just is worth a lot more, and that balance is super out of whack when you have a sound recording worth so much more than copyright. So our after sort of investigating and meeting an attorney who named Dina Lapold, who is our total like we call her the Kraken, like she's this complete spitfire, awesome like like, I will fight for you. Yeah, she's like I will fight for you, bitches. (laughs) Um, She does. She's like foul mouthed and like she goes to she goes to Capitol Hill and like scares the shit out of like these people. Like she is. Can I say that? (laughs) Yeah, it's in the radio. So she's scared. Yeah, she scares the crap out of these senators and congressmen. Like they're like, oh no, here she comes. Um, but she's fierce. And so she kind of inspired us to, you know, start Sona, which is Songwriters of North America, which is, you know, it started as a group of friends, like my friends who also were a little pissed off about how yeah. we were getting paid. And, you know, it was like eight of us. And now it's like well over 300. And we're L.A. based because we have a local culture. Like songwriting right. culture, I'm sure you know. Yes. Songwriting culture is one thing in Nashville. Yep. It's another thing in Atlanta. It's another thing in Miami. It's another thing in New York. And it is its own thing in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It's like very pop. Yep. It's very like you go to a person's home studio, you write a top it's very top line, track guy, you know, yep. heavy. Um and there's a culture around it that I think is different from the other yep. and it's baller too. Like yep. everybody's gotta be super baller, like to you know get in there yeah to get in there yeah Yeah. Yeah. um it's not like i go to nashville and it's so like it's so homey and sweet with their guitars on their laps and they're like really like savoring the lyrics and like is that gonna work and is that gonna you know i go to sessions in la and it's like you're one you know you're in you're out you like spit out whatever you whatever comes to your head at that time and then you're done so anyway song so songwriters of north america was founded in 2015, the spring of 2015, we got about 100 songwriters, our friends and their friends, to show up at one place, uh, United Recording, and we had Dina kind of like give, a, you know, preach like a preacher to say like, where you all have been asleep at the wheel. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. Right? That's great. Yeah. I'm going to applaud that. Right? <laughs> wow. That takes courage because you're basically kind of like you're about to bite the hand that feeds you totally 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 and you know she and we kind of like got fired up to to make a little bit of a of a stink about it and to be a little a lot annoying because we did we were asleep at the wheel and this got away from us i mean we are at the point where we're only making you know Six cents to every ninety six ninety four that you know the record label the record the labels make that was a that's a a deal that got fucked up right right and that happened on someone's watch and clearly like we weren't a part of it so no of course not that's right how they, that's how they they make the minions work right exactly exactly and if you think about it it's the song it's what all of it is based yes. on none of these. It's the idea. It's the very idea that it came out of. All of it's based on that. These platforms would not exist without songs. They can have, you know, artists showing up and giving interviews or something like that, but they wouldn't are talking about music. What what most people don't know is like labels are making deals with these Mm -hmm. like streaming, you know, uh, like places like Pandora and Spotify where their labels are getting advertising revenue. 
And yes. they're getting advertising revenue for catalogs of songs that they never were a part of for the creation, but they're getting advertising revenue on it. And the songwriters or the artists that were actually creators in this are getting an even smaller piece of the pie yeah. as a result. So yeah, exactly. It's so skewed. So I love that you're fighting this. Yeah, we started really fighting. We started, like, in 2015, we started sort of investigating and, and like, talking to everybody and finding out, you know, how this happened, why it led us to Silicon Valley, to find out what what's going on and how you know they see us and it led us to DC to find out what you know legislators are trying to do to help the balance between their constituents who are maybe on the tech side but yeah. also on the creator side you know it's in this in this particular conflict it's tech versus the art the art yeah, yeah, yeah. tech versus the art and you know, it's a deep fight. Like, tech wants free. Well, and the funny thing is, it's like, if if, if this was a film mm-hmm. or a TV show, yeah. it'd be very different. Mm-hmm. They treat it very different. They're, like, a little right. bit more fair. Yeah. And I say a little bit because it, they also get screwed in some ways, too, with a lot of this. But totally. at least there are parameters where it's not blatant. It's not a blatant ripoff of what creators are doing, you know, with music. The studios had a lot more. I think the studios had a lot more protection power. Right. You know. Well, they saw what happened with us. Yeah, we were. We're totally, the guinea pigs. Yeah, we were totally And that's why the they're kind pigs. of like yeah. making better, you know, agreements and totally and the unions. That, that's they, a they big have part unions, of it right? Oh my, that's the big. Okay, so when I start talking about this stuff and everybody gets like worked up, you yeah. know, they're like, "That's fucked up. Yeah. What do we do?" Yes. We need a union. And that's where I have to be like, wah, We do. Wah, wah. They're just shitty. <laughs> no, no, actually, no, that's not true. I'm in SAG. I've been in SAG. No, SAG's great. SAG after is awesome. And entertainment unions are per- been the exception of the musicians' union. That's what I'm, that's the yeah, union I'm talking about. Yeah, musicians' union Musician, is pretty lame. The musicians' union should be, like, top notch, and it's bottom of the barrel. Yeah, that that's super lame. Um, but... The Writers Guild, the Directors Guild, oh, yeah, like fantastic. those are totally baller guilds and unions, and we've been looking, we've been really inspired by the Writers Guild because we're if we're like the most similar, like I feel like there's a lot of similarities yeah. between screenwriters and songwriters, right? We don't have like what you were saying before we started, you know, we can't brand ourselves. We don't brand ourselves. We're not the stars. The screenwriters and the songwriters are not the stars. We're not the ones who go on tour. We're not the ones who sell merch. There are no Michelle Lewis t-shirts, you know. Right. There's Johnny Cash t-shirts. There's no <laughs> right? There's he's, no Michelle Lewis right. t-shirts. I can't sell, you know, swag with my right. name on it. Right. I'll be like, who cares? Um, so my only form of income, that's it. The only way a songwriter can make a dime is by... The song itself. Yeah. It's from the song itself. So, um, so we are the most vulnerable in this in this equation. Yeah, yet we're the most quintessential. That's we the irony. are. We are completely. Uh, the, uh, you can't do. Yeah. You can't get to step two without the song. Yep, I agree. Like, what do you What are you recording? What do you What do you Who are you as an artist without your vehicle? Right. So, we make that case. 
you know, on a daily basis. I mean, I feel like I talk so much more than I sing at this point because I'm just trying to go like, look, this is how it works. I'm, I'm a mom. I have to put a kid, you know, like yeah. I have a kid. I, you know, pay for school. I pay for, you know, we I, like this. And this is how I do it. And you listen to the yes. stuff that I do and you, you consume the stuff that I do. And the crazy thing, too, and I know you agree with me on this. It's like what I get frustrated with to be a great songwriter. It takes <sighs> decades. There's no but there's so many jobs that people just yeah. walk into where they have a six-figure salary. Where the, yeah. literally you, you could just be a meatball. You can work for Spotify for exactly, a exactly. <laughs> and that to me is the biggest crime. It's like, yeah. wh- where's the like, uh, you know, the the integrity of yeah. the you know the work of what it takes to be that person? There's a great story. I love sharing this. You know, whenever I teach or do anything, it's like Picasso was sitting at a, uh, a coffee shop and. You know, he's just doodling on a little piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And this person says, oh, my God, that's amazing. Can I, buy, can I buy that from you? And he's like, yeah. And he signs it. And he says, that'll be $100,000. And he said, but it took you only five minutes. And he said, but it took me a lifetime to learn. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's it. It's like songwriting is that. It's like it takes you a lifetime to learn it. And then if you're not being, you know, given the fair compensation where yeah. all these fat cats on the top are kind of taking it, it's just like more reason to get you all fired up. That's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on I'm the show. I'm so it's glad like, you love, did. Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad you did. I mean, we you know, it's a it's a little on the NPR show you heard, you know, it was I think uh the frame, right? And yeah. and we got a little into the weeds of the legislative process and what we're sort of asking. It could be weedsy. I mean, oh, I have yeah. to say, they like, do for, that on purpose. Yeah, for for songwriters, it's not our, you know, it's not necessarily our wheelhouse to sort of be parsing words about, you know, copyright and and yeah. and legislation and all these things. It's a little, it's dry. It's yeah. not creative necessarily. It's like it's for lawyers. Yes, and yet we have to sort of keep the we the reason this happened is because we were like. We left it to the lawyers, you yes. know, or, yeah. or we left it to the companies, the publishers, the whatever that had our, we thought had our backs, and that was their job. They didn't get it done, yeah. so now we kind of have to step up, sort of, you know, kind of like put our guitars on, you know, on the stand, and um, and fight and fight. fight the good fight. Yeah, yeah. Look, every I say this, it's like every. Every meeting I I show up to, every conference call I take, every podcast I do, I'm not is a song I'm not writing. Right. And I don't take it lightly. You know what I mean? It's it's like that's not what I I'd rather be writing the song. Right. But right now there's no there there. There's no reason. I'm not I'm uninspired to write a song because there's no except for my show, right. except for my doc or any of the other shows I write for because I get paid and I get appreciated right. and valued. Yeah. You know, like. As it should be. Yeah, like there's a value to it. And I get com- justly compensated. Like it's awesome. And the crazy thing is like pop, for example, yeah. is even more widely recognized, totally. more widely accessible. Everybody's on those streaming networks for those songs. And they don't pay. And they don't pay. It's crazy. So it breaks my heart to like see my friends from the pop world who are like driving for Lyft yeah. and... You know, with cuts, you know, yeah. with they're not, you know, the ones who are just wannabes and right. just getting their foot in the door. It's like they're the ones who have done the work, right. have had publishing deals or have publishing deals, who 
have songs on records that people know and would be psyched to get in a room with. Yeah. But they got to, like, work around their work schedule because the royalty checks are not covering it. Right. You know, it's yeah. not paying the bills. Um, and there's no, like, sense of reform either. It's like most people are like, oh, it's okay. They don't need it because people are making money. Right. There's money in the right. industry that people are getting money and getting paid, and they're doing it off the backs of songwriters. Exactly. And I think maybe what's starting to happen you know, this is all sort of like alarmist. I mean, when I first started, maybe you know, th- getting into this like th- almost three years ago, it was sort of like the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And it was like in the process of falling, but it hadn't quite fallen yet. We didn't see how bad with like the manifestation of how bad it was going right. to be. Now it's like it's happening now, right? Like money's coming in, it's going to the labels and the sound recording. It's not coming to us we're getting squished like we're literally getting squished and like for every 10 songwriters you know eight have left who are like wow. working you know in nashville i know the numbers 80 percent have left the business. And, the, and the funny thing is jimmy Iovine said something so awesome it's something that keeps on like resonating with me every time i think about it he said all it takes is for one prince to yes. be completely turned off from the music industry because he doesn't think he can make ends yes. meet for the whole world to suffer not yes. just like for him, like what Prince gave the world, the whole world would have suffered if that was never a thing. You know what I mean? I think about that all Me the too. time. I Me think too. about the ones who aren't, right, right? I know. I think about the ones who aren't getting into it because they can't. It's it's like you really do, and I'm not being hyperbolic. Like you really do need to have like a rich parent, yeah, a really good, well-paying job, yeah. um, be somehow financially independent. To get to get going as a songwriter now, right. there are no development deals. There are no, you know, no. All that's been squashed. All that's been completely squashed. So it's like you really, you're, and so I'm sure, you know, I don't know the percentage of, of people who would be getting into it that aren't now right. are not, and that could be a lot of talent. That could be a lot of great songs. That could yeah. be a lot of, and I think if you do predict sort of what the what songs in the radio are going to sound like. Because there won't be really radio anymore. Right. Like what songs people dig are going to sound like ten years from now. Well, it's like you also think we just lost Tom Petty. Right. If Tom Petty had to start right now, I don't nope. think there would be a Tom Petty. There would be. You know, there would be no Tom Petty. Yeah. He might be in tech. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't right? think I can make a living doing this. So right. I might as well do something else. I might as well that, like, be a shame. Yeah. You know? or I, I might as well code. Like Tom, take that you know, like that leather jacket off. You don't need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't need that in the workplace. Exactly. We don't need that here at Apple. Rhinestones. Yeah, exactly. No, it's it's that's the part of it that really <coughs> inspires me to keep showing up to these yeah. things because I do think about the community and I think about the future. I I'm good. You know what I mean? Like I have my I have my lane. I have my. Living. That's what's amazing that you're doing it. That's a testament to your character that well, you're okay. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? This is not okay because of all the people that probably are not. Yeah. That, I want to save the job. You know yeah. what I mean? This yeah. is not self motivated. This is not for me, for my career, for my, you know, bottom line. I mean, yeah. it will help ultimately. You know, right. if we get the right, our hashtag is get the rate right. Hashtag get the rate right. right. If we can get the rate right, yes, of course it will help my bottom line for sure because I still make a living as a songwriter. But coming up behind me, the people who are 10 years younger than me, 20 years younger than me, those are the ones that I'm just like, 
doing this for because there yeah. won't be a job of songwriter yeah it'll be something else it'll be like a hobby yeah you know it'll be which is terrible it's yeah like, like hobbyists like people who breaks just, my heart it's like what yeah. would life be without a soundtrack it's like right and like right now music is being so homogenized and that's the problem because right. only like five people can afford to do it right the same five people are yeah. like the same ones working <laughs> the same ones working and, and the they're... crazy thing is I know much greater songwriters that yeah, that's the thing that that kills me. I'm like, these people should be just, you know, in, the, in that five, yeah. in that five, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, percent or, or that circle, and they're not. So I know it drives me a little bit nuts. It's totally wrong, and it's it's out of whack, and it's unnaturally wrong. If it would be one thing if like we were, you know, horse and buggy salesman who like nobody wanted our product right, like right. if nobody wanted to buy our shit like well wah, 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 right. that's capitalism right. like you know no one wants what you're selling no and one's everybody's, buying everybody's consuming it but everybody's consuming it the numbers are huge people yeah. are making so much money off of music right now right except for the people who make except it except for the musicians <laughs> yeah except yeah. for the people who actually make it and yeah. that is just so it's so like undeniably wrong yeah um and so I feel like that's the other part that sort of pushes me on in this. Is like I feel like I'm on the so on the right side, and this is is not a difficult case to make. Yeah, you know, like you get it as soon as you sort of see the see what it is and what we do and how we get compensated for it. It is not fair. Yeah, and who can hate a songwriter? Dude, Michelle, I can't believe I'm only meeting you now because, <laughs> my God, where were you the last 15 years of my life? Um, real quick, you're going to Washington, D.C. We have a couple minutes. Just mm-hmm. tell tell people what you're doing in Washington, D.C. next week. And I also want to play a little bit of Wings on yeah. the way out. Go awesome. ahead, if that's all right. Um, so, so what is happening is we've been fighting for copyright copyright. Uh, reform legislation to mm-hmm. be introduced into Congress. It's a weird time in D.C. right now, right? Like, it's a lot, nothing's getting done. It's really hard to get bills passed. But one thing that's kind of good news about copyright is it's one of those truly bipartisan issues. Republicans dig copyright reform ideas because it's like free market mm-hmm. and uh, property and like, um, anti-regulation because we're, we're I, I didn't get into this but um songwriters incomes the part of the reason they're so fucked is because they're 75 percent regulated by the u.s government hmm. did you know that 75 percent 75 percent regulated uh they're that's you know so you know ASCAP and bmi yes so every uh songwriter who publishes songs has to go through a performance rights organization the two main ones are ASCAP and BMI and then there's two others in the United States called CSAC and GMR which is Irving Azoff's company Um, CSAC and GMR are small they're like not uh, they don't have enough market share to warrant this but ASCAP and BMI are considered monopolies because they each have like 45 and 35 percent respectively um, of all the copyrights that they manage that they oversee and that's those are considered you know monopolies by the u.s government so Mm -hmm. we have all these like antitrust regulations on us to not price fix to not price gouge to not collude collude i mean have you ever seen songwriters like sit in a room talking about their rate i mean we don't talk about what they the pennies that they get from oh my god it's crazy but we still do so anyway the the road to get the path to getting the rate right hashtag get the rate right is through Washington because they do have an interest in 
fixing the balance a little right. bit. So um, there's legislation coming out really soon that's going to be introduced by a Republican congressman named Doug Collins out of uh, Georgia, who has been a huge supporter of songwriters. And um, hopefully, I think my organization might have even named the act. I won't say that. You know, I think we got to actually, I think we came up with the name for the act. I don't, right now it's just the Songwriter Equity Act, but it might be changed to something a little more exciting, which I will tell you when I can. Yes. Um, and uh, this is going to be a one of four interview. Yeah, I know, right? We're going to do a piece that we're going to yes, have like, uh, where we last left off. Yes. Michelle was heading to Sun, heading to DC <laughs> exactly. to uh, fight for songwriters' rights on the Hill, and um, you know the Republicans are for it, the Democrats are against it because they're sort of aligned with tech, right? Um, but I think we can make the case to Democrats as well because we're such like work, you know, we're in, yeah. we're just. We're just we're, we're worker bees, yeah. right? Like, yeah. and we're we are heartfelt and, and we humane, we and we impact. And like I said, who doesn't love a songwriter? Yes. So I go with the guitar, or I go, you know, with pictures of my kid, and I'm just like, how do you not want to help us? Right. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And where can people find you, Michelle? We are Sona.com is uh, the website for our organization. It's a 501c6, which is a you know basically a trade organization that tries to advocate for the rights of our song of our members, and um, and then I'm at michellelewissongs.com. It's my website. Awesome, Michelle. Woo! I could talk four or five hours with you, Renan. Thank you for co-hosting tonight. Thank of course, you. we're going to leave our listeners a with lot. a little bit of wings. Definitely. We'll see you guys next week. Next week.